Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Today, we celebrate the World Malaria Day with the topic World Malaria Day. Can tech make a world malaria-free? April 25 marks World Malaria Day, a day to recognize the important progress we have made as a global community in combating this deadly disease, while also raising awareness and support to continue our work. Malaria is a serious and sometimes fatal disease caused by a parasite that commonly infects a certain type of mosquito which feeds on humans. Usually, people get malaria by being bitten by an infective female Anopheles mosquito. Only Anopheles mosquito can transmit malaria and they must have been infected through a previous blood meal taken from an infected person. Symptoms of malaria include fever and flu-like illness, including shaking chills, Headache, muscle aches, and tiredness. Nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea may also occur. Malaria may cause anemia and jaundice because of the loss of red blood cells. If not promptly treated, the infection can become severe and may cause kidney failure, seizures, mental confusion, coma, and death. According to the World Health Organization, about 3.4 billion people are at risk of malaria. And according to the latest World Malaria Report released on 30th November 2020, there were 229 million cases of malaria in 2019, compared to 228 million cases in 2018. The estimated number of malaria deaths stood at 409,000 in 2019, compared with 411,000 deaths in 2018. Also in 2019, six countries accounted for approximately half of all malaria deaths worldwide. Nigeria with 23%, the Democratic Republic of the Congo 11%, United Republic of Tanzania 5%, Burkina Faso 4%, Mozambique with 4% and Niger with 4% each. Children under 5 years of age are the most vulnerable group affected by malaria. In 2019, they accounted for 67% and that's 274,000 of all malaria deaths worldwide. These statistics are staggering and truly calls for worry. But in all of this, what has tech done? How can we say tech has helped to make our world malaria-free? I have a medical doctor over the phone lines to shed more light as regards this. She's the founder of Concerge Medicine NG, a telemedicine channel that provides medical solutions. She's a COVID-19 frontline health worker and a medical preneur. I have Dr. Uju Ugwebe right here. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very fine, doctor. How are you two today? I'm good. I'm good. Happy World Malaria Day to you, by the way. Happy World Malaria Day to you. All right, yes, thank you. <laughs> the WHO African region carries a disproportionately high share of the global malaria burden. In 2019, the region was home to 94% of malaria cases and deaths. First, why do we have the largest share of the disease? Okay, so basically, we have a larger share of disease because one, we are in the tropics. Already, malaria is more endemic in the tropics. And because the female Anopheles mosquitoes, which has like over 400 species, however, the species that transmits malaria, the Pheophosuparum, it's more common in the African region. So that's why there are other species that transmit malaria as well, but the most dangerous form of them all is the Pfalciparum, which is what is more commonly seen in this region. So that's also a reason why we have higher numbers of malaria. And the lifespan of this particular species, it's very high. 
the lifespan is longer compared to other species of the parasite. So because of that long lifespan, the mosquito is alive for longer days. And then by that, it has a tendency to transmit malaria. We also have to understand the climates, our climates around this part of the world, because malaria is more commonly transmitted or more commonly seen during the rainy season. In Nigeria, for instance, where the rainy season is about, you have rainy season for about six to eight months, and then the other months are dry. So because of the rainy season and then because of the climate condition, transmission is usually at its peak at this time during the rainy season and just after the rainy season. So those are the reasons why, you know, we have these high numbers in Africa. Yeah. Okay. Now let's talk about the female Anopheles mosquito because its prevalence is one of the reasons why we have the largest share of the disease, like you just said. And it's a major transmitter of malaria in Africa. Now, is there not any method to use to stop the breeding of this type of mosquito? <laughs> I mean, when you want to talk about stopping the breeding of this type of mosquito, then we're going to have to talk about prevention. Well, the best way would be to stop it, but then you have to stop it by reducing the things that would encourage the mosquitoes or this particular mosquito to be breeding. And by doing that, you have to first look at the things that make it easy for the mosquito to breed more mosquitoes, and that is water. You have to reduce these things from the source. Source reduction is the best way to eliminate this type of mosquito. So you have to look at water because usually they need to lay their eggs in water and particularly stagnant water, dirty water and all of that. So you have to try in the environment, particularly in your environment, to eliminate stagnant water, dirty water, waters that are not free-flowing. Anything like that would help to breed mosquitoes and help them to lay because it's make it's, that's where they lay the eggs and once they lay the eggs and more and more mosquitoes come out from that. Then also we have to try to reduce litter and deaths because those are just side breeding sites for these mosquitoes. If we're able to eliminate those things, litter, deaths, stagnant water, declutter junks, we have just, we just have a way of piling up things around us. So any environment that will help in the breeding of mosquito, we just have to try and cut those things from source. And also Obviously, mosquito repellents as well as insecticides, use more of that. So, because when you kill one, then it doesn't breed more, you know, more mosquitoes. And then, of course, also important to note mosquito nets and particularly the insecticide treated nets. This would also help because if it kills one, like I said, it would then, you know, stop the breeding of more and more. And maybe eventually, with if we if we put all of these in together and effectively, we would get to a point where we do not have that species, the female anophilus mosquito, you know, yeah, around us. And then that will also reduce the transmission of malaria. Okay. All right, Doc, let's go to the crux of our conversation today. Since 2000, the progress in malaria control has resulted primarily from expanded access to vector control interventions, particularly in the sub-Saharan Africa. However, these gains are threatened by emerging resistance to insecticides, which is actually one of the products from tech that has helped in curbing the effect of malaria. Insecticide use among the Northless mosquito. Now, seeing the situation, how else can tech help us control malaria? I would say, one, in terms of designs and structures of buildings and drainages. So when it comes to constructions of those things, we can be constructed in ways where it doesn't encourage stagnant water or things that would encourage breeding of these mosquitoes. Because anything that would encourage breeding of mosquitoes, obviously, would not help us control malaria, really. Because once they have like an environment to breed, it then continues to multiply. Another way I can think of tech helping us to control malaria would definitely be through information 
technology through the media, mobile technology and all of that. And that's by campaigns, educating people about malaria, transmission, symptoms, treatment options, prevention. So through, the, through information technology and media, it's another way that tech can help. Also, I know I read some time ago about the solar projects where they put like solar panels around the house or in rooftops and also things like nylon strips. And these things have like chemicals on them. And these chemicals are set that they have like some kind of scent, like smell that, you know, takes the form of human smell so that it attracts the mosquito to the device. And then when it comes there, there's something there that now kills them. So these are the little ways I know that tech can help to control malaria. Okay, then any vaccines at all? Probably any formulations that you know of that can help in treating malaria and combating malaria? Yeah, so I know about vaccines. I think it's an RTSS vaccine, which has been used in some other parts of the African region or which have not been used or they are being studied and they are like a work in progress. Some of them, I can't say for sure how effective it is. I know that there's something in development which is being studied in some countries in Africa have, you know, taken it up. But I think research showed that maybe it helped only four out of 10 people or something like that. Or it helped in prevention in four out of 10 people. So more work is being done on that. Yeah. Okay. okay, then. So we will wait for the final formulation and the final results from that. All right. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> okay. Now, studies have shown that poor healthcare professionals, prescription or counseling practices, and patients' inability to correctly follow their medication regimens are some of the common causes of malaria treatment failure amongst patients. In your view, which is more common reason for malaria treatment failure? Is it healthcare professionals or patients' poor medication practices? Um, so I'll say it's a bit of both of them maybe one more than the other but um obviously we as doctors and healthcare professionals we need to do better with our counseling and talking to patients the problem especially in, in nigeria is just that not as though the doctors don't know they should do this but because of the burden the patients they're overwhelmed the patient load is a lot one doctor to i don't know 600 patients or something that's the statistics and you know when you know you have multiple of patients waiting in the waiting area you know you're trying to hurry up and see your patients quickly so we probably then not do a good job at counseling the patients on everything they need to know about the disease the patient just comes in okay you send them to do a test comes out positive you treat However, we should pay more attention to counseling because in the long run, there's no point seeing a patient in a hurry and then the person comes back to you again with the same thing just because they were not properly informed or counseled about their management and treatment plan. Also, I think worse of it is the patient's poor medication practices. Now, these poor medication practices in this part of the world is just many patients start their drugs and they don't complete it. Some of them don't even believe in even the drugs in itself. So if somebody comes to the, to the hospital, okay, you have malaria, okay, you give them drugs, they don't even take it. They rather go and do local herbs and all of that, or some things they always mention. I know patients who have told me, ah, doctor, that's the one that treats my malaria. I'm not saying the herbs don't do its job or doesn't, I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a medical practitioner. That might have its role, but because research and science, you just have to bring out the science of it all. And then you have to show us what studies that have shown that it works so that we can then adopt it. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody wants something that works, scientifically proven. 
So, like I said, patients, poor medication practices by patients is really a loss, especially the ones who start the medications and don't complete it. Because what happens is that you then develop resistance. That drug may not work for you another time when you now really, really need it. And then it just spirals down from there. Okay, then. Now, there will be a challenge of balancing the priorities between COVID-19 and malaria, seeing that we're still grappling with the effects of the pandemic. How then can we manage the two at the same time and not prioritize one disease over the other? It's really difficult in a pandemic not to prioritize the, the ongoing pandemic at the time. So it just needs a conscious effort of healthcare professionals as well as the health system at large to try to manage both of them without prioritizing one. We know that the pandemic has had a very hard hit on us, especially in this part of the world where we have a poor healthcare system. So unfortunately, things like malaria don't disappear. If only malaria and the mosquitoes could practice social distancing. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't understand that it's a pandemic ongoing, so it's still there. But we have to just learn to manage some of them simultaneously, and we have to do that by, first and foremost, education and information. So... I'm going to just give an example. For instance, I was sick during the pandemic. And because I had the fever, even with a COVID-19 negative result, I had a bad fever. A lot of hospitals literally rejected me. Wow. Yes. And this is me, a doctor in Nigeria. <laughs> yes. So, you know, that fear, we need to educate even ourselves as healthcare practitioners. There was just that fear of COVID. Everything at that time, that we, this was in the peak of the pandemic last year. Everything at the time, it was COVID until proven otherwise. Yes, I know our healthcare system has not helped us because we couldn't do as much testing and all of that for the COVID. But there are still like a million and one reasons or a million and one diseases that could also give you a fever, malaria being one of them and being the highest in our environment. So it's just about informing ourselves as healthcare practitioners that look, we need to look beyond the pandemic. While we are afraid of catching it or COVID or, you know, but we need to look beyond the pandemic and still be scientific in our approach to diseases. If someone comes to your facility, still give them the best you can give them. Give them the best access to healthcare. You can give them best access to treatment. And also to the general population out there, we have to keep doing campaigns to also inform them that, look, it might not be COVID. It can still be malaria. There's still malaria out there before anything else. So, I mean... I think that's what we're going to do. Mm. Yeah, I just continue to plan towards malaria prevention, continued planning towards malaria prevention and treatment activities because what happens is that during the pandemic you find that people will not go to the hospital because they feel like they'll catch the COVID-19 virus so you have to still go and seek for treatment and diagnosis if you are ill don't be afraid because even though their symptoms may be similar it just might be something else like when I was sick it wasn't COVID it wasn't malaria either but you know I had symptoms that were similar to COVID and malaria but yet it wasn't none of that okay finally so we just have to keep an open mind Okay, okay. Sorry? I said, finally, before we run off, the theme for the World Malaria okay. Day 2021 is zero malaria. Draw the line against malaria. So what does this mean to you? And is this achievable in all reality and sense of it? <laughs> well, zero malaria and draw the line against malaria means to me permanent reduction to zero of worldwide incidence of malaria caused by the malaria parasites. It's achievable because already some countries in Africa have done that. I think Egypt, most of the northern African region, Egypt, Libya, and all those places, they have been able to achieve that. 
So it is achievable, even though we don't have the same climate. So some factors may not make it as easy as they have for us to achieve that in Nigeria, particularly. But then we still have to try. So for me, it means permanent reduction to zero, at least fewer cases of malaria reports, implementing vaccinations if they're truly studied and they work, and also reducing the malaria mortality and morbidity rates. And we need education, political will, and government to help us with that. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for joining us on the show, Dr. Uju Ugwipe. It's been an insightful conversation with you. And happy World Malaria Day to you once again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Malaria means a fight that we can win if we build and maintain unwavering commitment. We have the tools to end malaria and it has been a decade of progress, but more work is needed to make sure no one dies of a mosquito bite. You just need to play your part. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.